0: Uh, Matthew chapter 17. I've told you before we're kind of moving closer to the cross here, moving closer to the crucifixion. Jesus is preparing the disciples for his departure. Really, there's not really going to be really any more miracles going on here, and uh, and uh, more what you see here is a little bit of a training going on. You've heard the saying before: "Seeing is." believing okay you can say it's okay seeing it's not a trick question seeing is believing but in the bible believing is seen it's kind of backwards not backwards just the right way how hey, you like that we you, you could go back to hebrews chapter uh 11 i believe it is verses one through three where the bible says that now faith is the uh the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things yet not seen right and it goes on to list all of the things that were done by faith. That's what we would call, what many have called the hall of faith. And we see here that faith is believing what God has said, right? And so when you look in Hebrews chapter 11, you see Cain and Abraham and Sarah and Noah and Moses and Rahab and Gideon and David and Samson. and He goes on and on and in the, in the, a few more in that list there in Hebrews chapter 11. Every one of these individuals was an example of an individual who got the word of God and believed it. And the evidence that they believed the word of God is that they went out and did what God said. That is the simplest definition of faith. Believing what God has said, which means the outworking of the belief is doing, right? James, I think it's 2-2, maybe somewhere around there. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. And so Hebrews eleven eight you know, said this. Listen to what it says. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an, heir, an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. That's faith. That's faith. We get accused of having blind faith, and sadly, some Christians operate in what you might call a blind faith. They step on a, out on something God never told them to. But it's not blind faith when we are responding in action and belief to what God has said. Abraham went out not knowing whether he went. Why? Because God told him to. That simple. And, and we see the order of action in God's economy. He gives us his word. His word is believed. His word is obeyed. And then sometimes... The word is seen. Sometimes there's a manifestation of what God has said he was going to do. So we see here, here's the order. Belief comes before sight. Faith first, then sight, then sight. And I want to look here in chapter 17 and verses 1. Well, I want to look at this this subject here. And this is the title of the message tonight, Faith First, Then Sight. And we remember a few weeks back, we were looking at Peter's confession, chapter 16. Jesus had asked them two questions. Remember, who do people say that I am? They said the whole uh, couple lists of people, the Jeremiah, the prophet, uh, one of the prophets, uh, you know... Um, Uh, Elijah, I think it was, was one of them. I think I'm wrong. I better go back and look at it because I'm going to forget what he said here. Um, I shouldn't have done this. Yeah, Elias. uh, John the Baptist, Elias, Jeremiah, were one of the prophets. And so then Jesus goes on and says, well, whom do you say that I am? And of course, Peter piped up Peter, pipe. That's good. Peter, Peter spoke up and he said, "Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And what did Jesus said? Well, flesh. That's good, Peter. Good job. Flesh and blood hadn't revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven, He has revealed it to you. The Father revealed to Peter that the words of Jesus were truth. Okay, I'm going to go back a little bit, just a little bit. When John the Baptist was preaching. He he looked out at the Lord Jesus at one time and he said what? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. What was he doing? He was proclaiming the truth of the word of God. This is the son of God. This is God wrapped in flesh. This is the lamb of God. And remember at that time, Andrew was a disciple of the Lord, Je- of, of John, the, uh, of John the Baptist. I'm sorry. And after John had said, behold, the lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world, Andrew and another disciple left John and began to follow Jesus. Which I have said it this way, mission accomplished. This was the pl- purpose of John's, John's ministry was to prepare a way for the Messiah and make them ready for, for their Messiah. And so Andrew uh, left John the Baptist. He believed what John said which was truth, was the word of God. And he followed Jesus Christ. And from there, John, uh, Andrew went and got his brother Peter. And in John one forty two, the Bible says, and he brought him, brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon Peter, the son of Jonah, but thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Now watch the progress. I'm showing you something here. Andrew believed the preaching of John the Baptist. Peter believed the... Quote, preaching of his brother Andrew, and when they heard the word, obviously the Holy Spirit of God began to do his work in them and say truth. You know I've done this to people I've witnessed to. I've come to a place, I'm telling you you can't always say it, but at times sometimes I've said, I've said, you know what, and you know something's telling you what I'm saying is true and you know it. And I've watched a few of them shake their head. They didn't want to. <laughs> They shook their head. You say, how can you say that with, with Peter? I mean, the Holy Spirit hadn't even come till Pentecost. Well, John 14, 17, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him. Right? For he dwelleth with you. And what did Jesus going to say? And he shall be in you. Hey, the Holy Spirit of God was still working among these disciples. The Holy Spirit of God was still working with the truth of the Word of God. So here we are. Peter has believed... Right? He believes that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. The word came first, then belief, and then from belief came obedience, and he followed the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's Peter with his great statement, Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. How did he know this? Well, he believed the word, and the Holy Spirit of God confirmed it. Yeah. Well, in chapter 7 and verse 1, the disciples are going on a field trip. They're going. It sounds fun, doesn't it? They're going on a field trip. Jesus had already gone from the Sea of Galilee to Caesarea Philippi, and if you remember, he had brought his disciples to that huge cliff where the where the uh, where the the uh, pagan temples are, and the big mouth into that cave uh, where the the the, the the um, the spring that where the beginning of the Jordan River comes out of this massive opening, where some have even called it the Gates of Hell, has been the name of this place. And here they are standing at that place. I've been there. Some of you have been there. It's an incredible looking place. And it was at this place where Peter did make that confession. But from this place at Caesarea Philippi, Jesus then brings three of the disciples from Caesarea Philippi unto the Bible says unto a high mountain. Look at look at chapter 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart. Now, many have surmised what this mountain was, which mountain it was. Some say it was Tabor. Some say it was Hermon. I mean, uh, some say it couldn't have been Hermon because it was, uh, you know, 9,800 foot peak and it would have been way too high to go up up to the top of Hermon and camp overnight and things like that. But um, it didn't really say they went to the very top of a high mountain either. If you look at Caesarea Philippi, it's right at the base of Mount Hermon. And it wouldn't make much sense that he would have traveled six days at a real fast pace to get out a table. Right? I don't know. I, I just—it doesn't really matter because it doesn't say which one it was. But we know this: Jesus took them up into a high mountain, and here it was there that uh, after six days, it says that he did this. I want you to notice this here in verse one. We have now we have a time stamp. Now we have a time reference: six days. Six days after what? Six days after Caesarea Philippi. Six days after Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Six days has passed when Jesus has now brought them here to this high mountain the disciples believe jesus right they're following jesus and the disciples are following jesus because they believe jesus all right i i, I don't want to i can't say that too often because we're going to come back to this a little bit later it's going to all come together i hope it makes sense all right so he brings them up to this high mountain it has been 6 days and now they're going to see something that they have never seen before here they are up in this mountain and it says here in verse 2 up in a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Wow. Now that's a pretty cool field trip. They had never seen that before, right? They ain't never been there before. Yeah, it's frightening to them. The Bible says he was transfigured. It's, that, that, that Greek word here is the same word where we get the word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. Jesus morphed from his full humanity to the glory of his deity right in front of them. Could you imagine that? You know, it's a, you know, it's a hallelujah to us today. When we close our eyes in this life, we're going to open our eyes and we're going to see Jesus in his full glory. Hey, John, the revelator saw Jesus and boy, he fell down just like uh, Peter and James and John are going to fall on their face. Boy, I tell you what, he fell down and the, an angel had to come and touch him and said, oh, it's, okay. it's okay. Get up. You can get up. <laughs> yeah, it was frightening. Whew. We haven't seen anything until we've seen the full glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says his, his face did shine like the sun and his raiment was white as the light. It was a transformation. It wasn't merely a change in outward appearance like Moses had when he came down from the mountain. He had to put the veil over his face because his, his face uh, shined and it really caused a problem to the Israel watching it, right? He had to put a veil over his face. This isn't that type of thing that we're talking. We're not talking about a change. We're talking about a transformation Transformation, Right. It was a transformation. It was a slight show of who he was. Think about it. Just a slight show of who he was. It was hard to look at. Just a glimpse of who he was in all, of his, in all of his glory and who he is, it was hard to look at. It was an incredible thing they saw. Maybe it was this glory that shone through in the Garden of Gethsemane when they said, Are, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And he said, I am he. And they all fell backward. Maybe they caught a glimpse of his glory. I think, I, I think you know what else they caught a glimpse of? I am. Yeah. And the dummies got back up. (laughs) I would have gone home, friend. I think I would have gone home. Might have been a smart thing, right? Yeah. It was that glory that blinded Paul on the road to Damascus. That glory, the glory, the brightness of his glory. One author said this. Essentially, this was not a new miracle. Now, listen to this. This is wonderful. Essentially, this was not a new miracle, but a temporary miracle cessation of an ongoing one it was the temporary his his transforming right into his glory was a temporary uh, a, a temporary uh ending of an ongoing one listen to what it says the real real miracle was that jesus most of the time could keep from displaying his glory the real hey listen the the real miracle was that Jesus, humanity, could keep back his glory. Oh, man. Yeah. This is why John writes, we beheld his glory. This is why Peter said we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Hey, Peter saw something. John saw saw something. They saw the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his brightness, and all of his fullness. It was Spurgeon who said for Christ to be glorious was almost a less matter than for him to restrain or hide his glory. It is forever his glory that concealed his glory and that, though he was rich for our sakes, became rich. Poor," he said. "It was almost it was almost a lesser of a deal to reveal his glory than it was to restrain it. <laughs> I mean, you think of the size of God and the bigness of God and the and the and the brightness of God to restrain that. Uh, how much power does it take to restrain such glory? And this is what they saw six days after Peter confessed. Six days after he said, "Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God." Six days later, they ascended up into this mountain, and they saw the Jesus and all of His glory transfigured right in front of Him. But there was another thing that they had never seen. Look at verse three. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, talking with Him. Ho hum. Right. This is incredible, right? Moses and Elijah, Elijah, two Old Testament prophets. Moses was 1,400 years before Christ. Elijah, 900 years earlier. And, and obviously the question is asked all the time. It's always, it has forever been asked since this has been penned. Why Moses and why Elijah? Right. We know that Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. We know that the law and the prophets, the Bible says, were until John, and after the law and the prophets was the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that. Some believe these are the two witnesses that would be preaching during the tribulation. Okay, that's fine. It's going to be somebody, I know that. It's going to be two Jews, I know that. So watch this. Here's Jesus, transfigured, speaking with Moses and Elijah, the the one who will fulfill the law and is the fulfillment of the prophecy of the prophets. He's standing here, speaking to them in all of his glory, right? Moses and Elijah. Do you realize every Old Testament saint who died, died believing in the promise that God was going to send the Messiah? Every one of them died believing. Abraham said God told Isaac, God will provide himself the lamb. Jacob said told, told uh, his sons, when Israel, I'm sorry, when Shiloh comes. Moses says that there's going to come a prophet among you like unto your brethren. Job, one of the greatest ones of all, said I know that my Redeemer liveth and will stand on the earth someday. And he says when when my when my, he goes on to say when my body uh, is is d- uh, decayed and the worms have eaten my body, I'm paraphrasing phrasing right now he said in my flesh I shall see God he knew this he knew this but watch this when Moses and Elijah died they saw the Lord Jesus Christ and they saw him on all of his glory they didn't see him in humanity they saw him in his glory and it's exactly how they're talking to him on the Mount of Transfiguration just like they always saw him Now, this is new to Peter and James and John. It's not new to Moses and Elijah. Pretty incredible scene, isn't it? Pretty neat. And, of course, Peter's got to kind of throw a wrench in the whole deal. (laughs) He said, this is good for us, right? Look here, verse 4. Peter answered and said unto Jesus, Lord now I don't remember Jesus answer, asking him a question doesn't really say he asked a question but he still likes to answer when there's no questions he just likes that then Peter then answered Peter and said unto Jesus Lord it's good for us to be here it's good for us to be here if thou wilt let us make here three tabernacles one for thee and one for Moses and one for that? But, but you see know, he's ready to build He's ready to set up some. Some uh, he would have been. a No wonder the Catholics claim him. He'd have been a great Catholic. I mean, they're just building monasteries and things all over the place. Mount You go to Israel. I'm telling you, that's all they've done is built churches everywhere, and that's where the tourists take you. And that's when I say that didn't happen here. <laughs> it had to have been somewhere else. And uh, but you know, Peter. Well, he, he wants he wants to build a couple three tabernacles here. But before he could get his hammer and his nails out. A bright cloud rolls in into that mountain. Uh, uh, it says right here, look at oh, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud which said this. Look what he says. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Does that sound familiar? Where have you heard that before? You say, oh, I think I know. I know. I know what it is. I know what it is. Remember Jesus' baptism? The Father is in heaven, the Spirit is descending, the Son is in the water with John, who had the authority to baptize. And the Father spoke and said, This is my beloved Son, hear ye him. Yeah. Pretty incredible setting, isn't it? It really is. You know what happened when that? Watch. It wasn't Jesus transfigured. It wasn't Moses and Elijah. (laughs) Right? When the voice came, look at this. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. Yeah. Peter's not wanting to build right now, he's terrified. You've heard the law. This is what God says. This is what the Father is saying here. You've heard the law. Here's Moses. You've heard the prophets. Here's Elijah. Now listen to my son. Listen to my son. Does it remind you of Hebrews chapter 1? God who at sundry times in a diverse manner spake unto our fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his own dear son. This is my beloved son, who I am well pleased. You see, in verse 6, Peter, James, and John, they fall to their face afraid. And finally, thankfully, in verse 7, Jesus comes along and he touches them. And he said, Arise, be not afraid. And they got up. What a thing that was. What an experience. What a vision. Could you imagine seeing the transfigured Christ? like I said we will we won't see him in his humanity we'll only see him in his glory that's a that's a that's a hallelujah yeah. but peter went on as you know as great as this was peter went on to say this we have a more sure word of prophecy Peter was talking about this event on the Mount of Transfiguration. He said it was awesome. It was wonderful. It was incredible. But we have a more sure word of prophecy. And what is that? It is the living, written, preserved word of God. We have a more sure word of prophecy today. Amen. We do. No, I know there's healings going all over town, and toes are growing back, and all of these things, and signs and wonders, and all of this stuff. No, I got it. No without evidence, but it's all right. No, we have a more sure word of prophecy. No, we have something more sure than an incredible miracle going on. We have a more sure word. I don't care if somebody came in here without arms and legs and we watched them right in front of us, all of them grow back and went, oh, that's incredible. We still have a more sure word of prophecy right here. We absolutely do. Amen. Amen. Pretty neat scene, isn't it? There's something I can't get past. Why the time stamp in verse 1? Six days. I don't know. But what I do know is this. This event came after Peter's confession, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. It came after. It came after Caesarea Philippi. It came after Jesus' question. It came after Caesarea, where Peter confessed who Jesus was. His declaration, another declaration of belief. It came after this. Watch. The transfiguration came after the confession. Oh, you mean believing came before the seeing. Peter confessed before he saw this thing that he would later write and say, Wow, we saw him in all of his glory. He believed first. Peter believed Jesus in his humanity before he saw Jesus in his glory. So why did Jesus go in the order he did? It seems to me that it's possible that before Jesus can bring us to a greater vision of his self, we we all long for that, don't we? Before Jesus can bring us to a greater vision of himself, he needs us to believe what he's already told us. Right, because God, watch, because God's in, in God's economy, seeing isn't going to come before believing. Belief comes before seeing, obedience comes before illumination, faith in the valley comes before. The miracle on the mountain you're not going to get around it because this is God's economy and it's a wonderful thing it's a wonderful thing so let me ask you a couple questions and we can go to the house how's that what are you needing from God tonight Certainly, you have prayer requests. Certainly, you have things from God you're needing. Maybe there's some things, some of the things from God that you're needing are just. Sometimes it's just His presence. Sometimes I pray for people. And I say, God, would you make yourself real to them? They need. They just need you to make yourself real. Sometimes we just need to know the reality of God in our life. I believe it was D.L. Moody who spent some time in prayer all by himself. Didn't tell anybody about it and say, God, are you still pleased with me? Would you do this for me? I, I just got to know, are you pleased? He's going through some times, I guess. We all do. So I ask you again, what are you needing from God tonight? What are you needing from Him? Can I tell you that there are some things of God that He will not show of Himself until we believe and obey what He's already told us? Watch some things that... Listen, the, the sometimes are the things that are hindering what you what we need the most from God is a little avenue of belief and obedience that we just have not confessed to yet. I'm not, we're not talking about confession unto salvation. Obviously, Peter was saved when he made that confession. But I think it's fascinating the order that we have here. That the declaration of faith came before the scene of 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 the vision of the glorified Christ. Is it possible that the miracle that you might be needing tonight is hindered by disobedience and something that God has already told you to do? He'd love to show you His power. The Bible says over in Second Chronicles that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro upon the earth for a man to show himself mighty. God, hey, listen. God is looking for somebody to work through and to show Himself through and to show Himself mighty to. But many times it is our, our our unbelief and disobedience that keeps Him from doing what He wants to do. Maybe what you're needing from God tonight is only hindered is only hindered by an area of unbelief. And disobedience. Wait, I'm 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 saved. I, I I can be an unbeliever. Well, yeah, you can be a saved unbeliever. Huh. Yeah. I contend that was the biggest part of Peter's problem. You know, when the well, you know, when his life changed, when Jesus said you're going to die, deny me three times, he still didn't believe that. When he finally did, you know what? Peter finally believed God. You find him on the day of Pentecost preaching, and three thousand get saved. Different man. Finally believed him. Yeah. It's possible tonight that what you're needing desperately from God is being hindered by your own belief, cause unbelief. Because listen, God will not put the scene before the believing. Yeah. And some of us have been in Christ way too long for him to go backward in such a place in our life to, to work that way yeah. that him says what more can he say than to, to you the, that, than he said else? listen there's some things going on in your life and you have decisions to make and you know God says what else can I say you know you know what to do you know where the where the faith action is. You know where the belief comes. You know what you need to do. Yep. Oh, I just need I just need I I just need you to I just need to see you. No, you just need to do what he said. And then it, then you'll see him. Yeah. Faith first, then sight. belief, belief first then the manifestation. Obedience first, then the vision. Don't get that out of order in our life. Don't get it out of order. If you're needing something from the Lord tonight and it seems like the heavens have been a brass, could I ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to inspect your life and maybe find maybe there's a little something that you've not gone forward in belief and faith on that God has wanted you to go forward in? Can I ask you to do that tonight? He'll show you. And you know what what I suspect? If this is an area in your life where you're going, "Uh uh-huh, you probably don't even need to ask. You already know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful tonight That you desire to work in our life. We're thankful tonight that you love us. We're thankful tonight, O God, that you want to show yourself in a mighty way to us and through us. God, you want to use us in a great way. There's things that you want to do in our life, Uh, there's things that you want us to see about thyself. But we do know, as we see here, that there's an order. There's an order. And there's other, we could go through the Bible in other areas. And we could see this order. But Father, it could be that there's somebody here tonight that you want to do a work in their life. and You want to make yourself real to them. And you want them to see you in a way that they've never seen you before work in their life. And there's some in here tonight. They just, they need you to show up in a way that you've never shown up before. And they need it Desperately maybe you're just telling them tonight you know if you just move forward where I've already told you to I could show up like you need Yeah, because faith comes before seeing Father would you help tonight we ask for the help and the aid of the Holy Spirit we ask for the Lord just the help to do what we know we ought to do we ask for that tonight Father we thank you in Jesus name Amen. Would you stand tonight with me? The instrument is going to play. Maybe the Lord has spoken to you, and you can get alone with the Lord right where you are, right at your chair. You can get alone with God and deal with Him. Maybe God has shown you something tonight. Maybe there's something else that God, throughout the message, there's a little something jumped out, and the Holy Spirit put His finger on something else. Listen, here's the deal. Whatever God is doing and whatever God is saying to you and however He's speaking, do this. Just respond to Him tonight. Respond to Him say yes whatever it is trust them and say yes faith faith before sight let's keep the order right amen and uh, thankful for that let's be dismissed in a word of prayer there are more um, uh, invites for next Sunday we're going to have to do some strategy here for the seating and everything there's quite a few that have said they're going to come and we're going to move some we're going to move the uh, the the sleeper chairs in the back out, and uh, put. <laughs> we'll give them to Martin right here. He can use one, and, <laughs> and uh, we'll get a whole nother row back there, and uh, and let's do this with visitors. Uh, and I'm thankful for those that do this anyway. But just just so I can say it, uh, just yeah, make your way in the back and leave the fronts open if you want. And that shouldn't be hard to ask Baptists to do. Go to the back. I mean that's. that's so, and uh, be praying for the services, and uh, we'll see, ya, Lord willing, on Wednesday. We'll be back in the Book of Nehemiah, and looking forward to that. Be praying uh, for the service. Pray for the. Uh, should get some um, progress here on the on the building side over here. A lot to, lot to go on over there, of course. And so be praying about that, if you would, also. All right, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer tonight. Jim Healy, Jim, would you close us, please?